You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Just one street over from Williamsburg's main thoroughfare on the corner of Botetot and Nicholson Street, you'll find a busy military encampment. New recruits drill, tent flaps snap in the breeze, and the daily life of a soldier's camp is made real. Our guest today is Dale Smoot, who's come by to give us an overview of the encampment and what they try to show the visitors who drop by. Dale, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So what are the outlines of the military encampment this summer? This is a a short-term installation just for the summer months? Uh, Right now, we hope to be able to fully staff it through the summer, but there are possibilities that in busy weekends that we try to also staff it uh, through the fall of the year. Well, visually, let's just tell folks what this looks like for a listening audience. What can they picture in their minds when they're thinking of a military encampment? Well, first of all, there is a science to laying out a military camp. It's called the art of castramentation and it's dependent upon the size of the army. You want to be able to defend that in case you're attacked. So they lay out the camp according to the number of men that are going to be encamped there. Um, Our encampment is laid out in the fashion of showing a company of men that are being formed up, and that's because Williamsburg is sort of the gathering place for Virginia's army. Uh, The center of the, the hub of It all is the magazine, which is the military storehouse, and that is the reason why you will find camps showing up around Williamsburg at the earlier part of the war. First of all, the military system of Virginia has been around for quite some time, but it had uh, laws governing the militia system, which is part of the military system, had been allowed to elapse back in 1773, and everything wasn't put back onto a proper foundation of how it was before that until the Third Virginia Convention in the summer of 1775, after the gunpowder incident, after Dunmore, Lord Dunmore, our our governor flees Williamsburg. Virginia, uh, Williamsburg is the rallying place of many men that had been coming from all over to protect the remaining supplies after the gunpowder incident in April of 75. And camps appeared in a haphazard way in the very beginning. Uh, you find that some of the militiamen were using Mr. Waller's Grove. There was even comments in the newspaper about the men chopping down his fruit trees to use for firewood, which was disturbing. Uh, There were many men that were away from their counties that normally controlled the independent companies that had been formed because of the lack of regular militia. And so the Third Virginia Convention disbands them and sets up our basic militia, but also 16 military districts that Virginia is divided into. And each military district is to have a 500-man minute battalion. From that, they have a draw a company of men from each of the military districts to form a full-time Virginia Army, the 1st and 2nd Virginia Regiment. And what we depict in Williamsburg and what we're going to try to show this year is the, the early war period. In the past, we've also shown the later war period because after Virginia sends 15 regiments north to be part of the Continental Army, there's a need for the internal defense of Virginia and that's the State Garrison Regiment in 1778. But getting back to this year, we're going to be focusing in more on early war period. So we're going to be talking about some of those uh, minute battalions that have a Culpeper Minute Battalion is called to Williamsburg to help guard the area. And part of that unit joins the 2nd Virginia Regiment and goes to Norfolk and finally engages Lord Dunmore and his loyalists at Great Bridge 
in December of 1775. So you, when you talk about a minute battalion, is this like we can think about Minutemen who are ready in a minute? That is correct. They take 500 men from a military district and give them 20 days training above and beyond what they would normally get in the regular militia and they are going to be 10 companies of 50 men each that are going to be able to respond to any threat in that geographic region immediately with the hope of cycling all eligible males through that military dist uh, through the minute battalion over a two-year period. That's what it appeared on paper. What happens in reality often are two different things. So when they're at camp, when they're in that encampment, what is, what is their job there? Are they just being in a state of readiness and drilling? And Well, it's basically uh, many are learning the military drill uh, for the first time in a more formal setting and how they are going to be functioning as a regiment eventually, a company within a regiment, ten companies within a regiment, a company of roughly 70 men, counting your officers and your duty fifer and drummer, uh, make up one company of ten companies that are going to be part of the regiments and so you're learning more of the structure of the army becoming a little bit more formal in your drill than maybe what you did around your home for uh, immediate action depending on if you lived on the coast of Virginia or on the frontier you're going to find militia readiness in an, uh, various states of unreadiness actually uh, if you're on the coast, there's more of a threat of attack. If you're on the frontier, more of a threat. So you find men from those parts of the country tend to have a little bit more training than maybe than those that live in the interior part. So there's a different degree of competency of the men. And that's what we try to depict, that everybody coming through the gate, as soon as they step through the gate, are now capable of serving, whether they are young, old, male, or female. We treat them all as if they have enlisted in the Virginia Regiment and are here ready to fight and defend the country of Virginia. And this is the fun part of the experience at the military encampment is when visitors walk into that encampment they become soldiers and they become involved in the life of the camp. What kind of activities, what kind of um, things are happening in that camp? Well, to, to begin with, we have them come into the camp and they're mark walking or walking through the tent area and we hope to be able to inform them of their conditions that are they are going to have to live under. Uh, many are often told about the numbers that are assigned to a tent, which uh, the lack of tents, there were six assigned to a tent, and they say, how did all six get in there? Well, it, it can fit, but not all are going to be off-duty to enjoy each other's company every night. There's work to be done night and day in the military. So often when they hear six to a tent, there might be two, three, maybe four that are off-duty that are going to be sharing that tent that night instead of all six of them. But occasionally the, there's those that question the sergeant and the sergeant shows by having them enter the tent and lay down and show that they can fit six in there. So that's often a, a fun thing for the, the, the families that come through to see that conditions aren't exactly what you think of on a camping trip today in today's world. Yeah. And they drill as well at camp. Oh yes, we take them and one of the first things is to indoctrinate them into the commands of the sergeant. I try to emphasize staying together, moving together as one, that they're no longer individuals, they're a unit. And that's part of the drill is showing them that everybody moves in unison and together that, that accomplishes the greater good in the field and that's what they have to start thinking in those lines. And it's fun to see the reactions to those that haven't 
been exposed to that before. <laughs> or those who have been exposed to it in a modern context who might be learning something different when they're learning about military procedure in the 18th century context. That's what makes it so fun if we can get the whole family to participate. Often we have those that uh, push their young ones forward to participate and I um, very uh, I can be persuasive to get the whole family to fall in if I need be. If it comes through shaming them at times, what, you're going to send your infants to do your fighting for you? <laughs> <laughs> the kids must love that at the dinner table that night. <laughs> oh, and to watch uh, Dad, who's been a veteran that uh, is accustomed to doing uh, the modern military drill, uh, being informed that his drill is not correct, that it's the 18th century drill that he's doing, uh, it can be uh, uh, amusing for the whole family. It sounds like fun. And, and to me, I think one of the greater lessons, one of the more important things about this encampment is it seems to me like at Williamsburg, and, and rightly so, we focus a lot on the, um, the ideas of the war, um, the Patrick Henrys, the great orators, the, the politicians, and the revolutionary fervor, but we might not as often think about the soldiers, the men who actually went to war. And it seems to me that this encampment helps to kind of make that experience Real. Well, we try to show facets of the military that would address day-to-day -day living. Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? What am I supposed to be wearing? How am I supposed to carry myself? You know, I am now been taken off of a farm where the nearest person I might know is a mile and a half down the road and put into a, t I'm sharing a space now with six other people that's in a space that there's 60 of us within a very small city is being formed and they're having to conform with it. Health is going to be a big factor. Sanitation, a big factor. How they survive. Uh, it shows that in past campaigns uh, for every soldier dying in the field from bullet bayonet, tomahawk or arrow, three die in camp of sickness and disease. And that's something that's stressed is the, the cleanliness uh, or the, the lack thereof that is something they need to address, as well as their duties that they are now having to give up individual liberty for the common good is something else that's often mentioned. You are no longer an individual, you will move as a unit, stay as a unit, and that's how you will survive. So that kind of instilling from a free-spirited person living on a farm to now thrust into a, a wall of men to defend home and country. What a shock that must be. What's the most important thing for you to try to communicate to people who come through and get a little glimpse of camp life? Well, if they can just carry away that it was a great sacrifice, and I still think that today for the military. It's a great sacrifice for one to give for his country, and that those that went before us did it willingly. And it was, you know, something that generations to come can appreciate. Thank you so much for being our guest today. We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate.